This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Dr. Kim Duramo, physician, best-selling author of the Mind Body Toolkit and founder of the American Institute of Mind Body Medicine. She has also had her own NDE-like experience, which we will talk about today and more. Dr. Duramo, thank you for joining me and welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to connect and share my story. If you don't mind, Kim, can we just start on the day that you had your experience and go from there? I was um, 16 years old and I went to the movies with my boyfriend and we smoked marijuana. Mm-hmm. And I never realized I was so chemically sensitive, but I was have always been really chemically sensitive and it affected my brain in a really powerful way that changed my life forever. And I, I didn't really know what happened um, as far as like being able to really describe it. But what happened was that um, I had a, all kinds of insights coming in. It felt like a speeding up, like my brain was going so fast. I was about to have a seizure and, and I sort of did. Um, so I, I basically got up from the movie to go to the bathroom. And when I was sort of running back, I realized that the music I was hearing was perfectly in sync with my emotions and my feelings. Like there was like a speeding up and speeding up. And then I stopped to walk and it slowed down. And I thought, oh, this is funny. And then it happened again. And I was like, whoa. And all of a sudden really experienced another dimension where everything was responding to my emotions and my thoughts. And I was in a relationship with everything that was happening, not just the music, but the people, there was a crowded theater and a crowded um, lobby. And I went into the bathroom because I was so freaked out. I, I didn't know what to do. And um, the only context I had for what was happening, you know, I was raised Catholic. So I just started praying to God to sort of calm my mind down. And, And this was a long time ago. It was before anyone would have ever talked about like, self-regulation or breathing techniques or any of that. So I just prayed and I ended up having um, a really intense experience of kind of like heaven and hell, like a heightened, heightened bliss juxtaposed with a really deep, dark um, terror. And it was this back and forth, back and forth as I sort of prayed and was in fear. And it was like a, uh, like ping pong ball. And and that's when I kind of went into like a seizure activity. Um, I I woke up to find my body had been shaking and shaking and I could hear what had happened, even though I sort of blacked out during the episode. And it was after that, um, you know, so the, the ambulance came and it was all very dramatic, but what happened during the experience, I was in two, two realities. I was in this dimension where I'm in the movie theater and I'm like this messed up kid, you know, using drugs, which in the family I grew up in was, was not only frowned upon, but like really highly judged. Like you're just some, some druggy loser kid. So I was really in a lot of judgment of myself. Um, but juxtaposed with this very heightened spiritual experience where the only words I had for it when my boyfriend was sitting in the ambulance with me was I saw God. And he actually believed me because he was with me and could feel what was happening for me. But what actually happened was this, like the veil had been lifted between, you know, the thought and the creation, you know, there wasn't like that lag period. And I was in such a heightened, uh, open-minded state that I had all this awareness of the true nature of reality, um, the body, you know, this whole perspective of what's actually happening in pure energy, that we are pure energy, that we are creative, that every moment um, we are in an interaction with all of the energy around us. 
and having reality show up a certain way that looks physical and solid, but it's actually continuously moving, continuously shifting and changing and responding to my consciousness. And so I didn't really have like a, a any words for that, but I did know, and I saw the vision of, um, I was either like dying and my brain was going to blow up because I'd never be able to mentally come back or, um, I would go on to live a life where I would share this truth as a physician. And I don't know if that um, idea came in because that was a context I had of someone who could share a truth and a message from a platform that would be respected so that they could be heard. Uh, or if it was only divine intervention, that that was my, my mission and my plan of how I would do this. But in that moment, it was like, that is impossible. How am I ever going to make my life work? Um, I'm totally messed up right now. Uh, but I saw it. I saw the vision of, of becoming, um, succeeding academically, becoming a physician, and then sharing this message about the truth of what's really going on in our bodies. I was aware that, um, what we're seeing in our medical system or medical perspective was really just barely scratching the surface of what was actually happening when, you know, someone went into electromagnetic uh, activity and, and the brain seized that it wasn't like a disease. It was an energy and it was a state um, that they were in. Uh, I saw that disease as we understood it, that is this physical thing that happens to you, um, was was also just really scratching the surface of what's really happening in this reality and that our um, mind is very much connected with the body and that our mind and our electromagnetic system, again, I wouldn't have had that word for it, is what is creating the state of what's happening in the body. And that medicine would need to change and accelerate our perspective of this. Or, you know, it wasn't like I had the awareness, like, or, or the world would never survive or something. But I had the awareness, like, we needed a speeding up of people to bring this message so we could get up to snuff very quickly and bring this new perspective and this new truth so we could really begin to operate in that um, higher way and that higher dimension of understanding. So for me, um, it wasn't a blissful experience. Like I said, it was really juxtaposed with this intense terror. And what happened in that episode, you know, I went to the ER and because I was in that heightened state of perceptual awareness, I was aware of other entities, demonic, dark entities. I could hear them. I was communicating and there were also angelic entities. And it was fascinating because some of the angel, some of the uh, nurses in the ER um, were angels. I would have never imagined I'd ever tell someone that because it was like, that's crazy. But I could hear them. I could hear their thoughts, um, not just praying for me, uh, but holding a really high vibration of intention for me that brought me through that horrible experience and actually had the the demonic dark energies not be able to keep pulling me down and pulling me down into this terror and so there'd be a lightness um from these other people that were also present um there there was a like definitely altered experience of time uh, where I was I mean, had lifetimes of downloads of awareness and truths. And, you know, later on when, you know, they had the movie, The Secret, or they had other, like, um, all kinds of spiritual teachings that I'd later go on to study, all of it had been downloaded in that experience. But I, I had no, you know, context for any of this outside of like a sort of Catholic religious structure, which had me really be afraid of like, what have I done wrong? I've messed myself up forever. Um, and I'd have to like really, really work my way back and, you know, devote my life to God. And it was a scary, though. It was out of fear, not out of true devotion. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I later on, I mean, it took probably 10 years before I really integrated this. I had severe panic attacks, anxiety disorder. Um, they labeled me psychiatrically with like every, you know, de depression, um, uh, OCD, um, but I had an understanding that was beyond anybody that was diagnosing me or treating me that, um, no, it wasn't really OCD, but it was more of a mantra that when I would pray, it would bring me into a heightened 
consciousness where I'd feel a sense of peace, but it became obsessive to like pray over and over and over and over. So of course, when I heard by a psychiatrist who has that perspective, they're like, oh, you have obsessive compulsive because you're constantly have to pray over and over. And I knew that wasn't what was actually happening. Um, But I also knew after a while I would need to sort of shut up and suck it up and figure it out on my own because there were so many diagnoses and they were medicating me and um, nobody really had an understanding that was helpful for me. And I realized, Kim, you've got to suck it up and get under the radar or you're going to get more and more labeled and more and more medicated. And this is not helping you. I couldn't tolerate any of the medications. None of them helped the anxiety anyway. And that's when I started to connect within myself and pay attention. I noticed that when I would breathe a certain way, it could prevent that panic attack from coming on. You know, I could feel the anxiety coming, but realize like, oh, when I breathe this way, my body calms down. Uh, Or when I think those thoughts, it's going to speed up the anxiety. So I would sort of play back and forth with not controlling my thoughts, but consciously choosing my thoughts to be in a more peaceful place. And my body would respond and my brain would respond. And that later on went into um, developing my awareness of my energy. Like I have an energy field. I could feel it. Um, I could feel other people's energy fields. I could hear them think, which was another thing that was... um, at first really confusing because I didn't know that they didn't hear those thoughts. I thought they're just lying to me that they're pretending to just be fine, but I could hear that they were not fine. So I was really confused for a while until I realized, um, no, they're not lying to me. They're not aware of what's going on in their thoughts and their emotions and their energy body. And so I I didn't develop the ability to work with anyone's energy. You know, it was many, many years later before this became like a useful skill. At first, it was just really scary and uh, and and destabilizing because you know the whole foundation of reality I'd I'd had up to that point was sort of like completely dissolved, Um, and that's something that can create a lot of dis disturbance, you know, discord in the nervous system and put you into panic. Anytime the brain uh, senses something new or something different, it goes on hyper alert and you could go into a panic. So that that explains now retrospectively um, what was happening. You know, it wasn't that I was being punished by God. It was I had integrated a a really, really heightened level of consciousness and spiritual awareness. And um, since I didn't have a context for that or you know, there wasn't a, a, a spiritual guide or a shaman, but it was um, very much what people describe as an ayahuasca journey. Uh, and when I heard people describing that, I was like, oh my God, that is exactly the kind of experience I had. Um, but I had no context for it. I had no shaman. I had no idea what was going on. And I didn't, you know, consciously choose that. So, um, you know, it was really years before I would integrate that. But I but I did have my one psychiatrist I saw recommended a book called The Road Less Traveled, which is kind of a little bit of a bread and butter book at this point. It's not like a super um, complex spiritual book, but when I read it, it was like, oh my gosh, my world is, is awake. Someone understands what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling. And it's a best-selling book. So I realized I'm not alone. Maybe there's someone else in this world I'll be able to talk to someday. Maybe I can connect with these other people who are also interested in this and we can figure some really, you know, really figure shit out and really make a difference in the world to bring others into this heightened consciousness. And that's when I started to realize, oh, it's not that I'm crazy. There's a truth here. And every spiritual book or I guess that was like more of a psychological book, but every book I would read that was from a deeper insight, um, would share the exact same download that I'd already had that I was integrating. You know, we create our reality. We are pure energy. We're connected, not separate. Um, Our perspective is what has us experience things a certain way. And, um, you know, I could feel how my body also responded to my thoughts. So it was almost like within me was born this whole awareness of mind-body medicine And it just was years and years of studying that within myself and with books from other teachers and other researchers to um, find my way to share this truth that I 
had become aware of at that um, at that moment at that young age in such a terrifying but also enlightening way. Thank you for sharing your experience with us. You had this vision of becoming a physician and working with energy. Do you think that vision was caused by your experience or do you think it was a memory of something that you planned pre-birth? I've never thought of it in that way that it was something I'd planned in pre-birth. Um, and because I was in experiencing my myself before birth, I, um, I've always seen it as something that because I'd entered that awakened state, it was now my uh, responsibility to share this and live this truth. Like I couldn't go back and just pretend the world is flat and we're all separate and that's all there is. And um, the way, you know, that old perspective um, at first for a long time, I saw it as like a duty, like, all right, I've got to earn my keep. Like I've been spared because a lot of people will go into a, a, a mental breakdown from an experience like this, a, a, a spiritual experience that is bigger than they can integrate. And by the grace of God, I was able, I, I mean, there must have been many, uh, much support and in different ways that I was able to integrate this and, and keep my sanity and rebuild my sanity. Right. Cause once you have that breakdown, you've got to build on that new foundation. And so, um, I always saw it, that it was something that came as a result of that opening that then here was the path and everything, you know, I told you, like, I had that thought, like, how the hell am I going to do? I'm just some punky kid. And it wasn't that I was a ever used drugs before that time or was involved with drugs to a significant extent, maybe, a, maybe a handful of times ever in my life. Um, but uh, I saw myself in that moment as like, oh, you're just going to be messed up and no one's going to take you seriously. But I was immediately aware of like, nope, the, the, the doors are will open. You are supported. This is your journey. All is taken care of. And so I became more hyper astute with like studying and taking life seriously and like being more hyper vigilant to be like, you know, not follow the rules, but um, I guess just be good, you know, not like go and, and have too much experimentation. And it, it was there all my life, all of my journey. You know, when I applied to um, medical school, it was the number one hardest year, like the number one highest applicant per seat. And everyone told me like, oh, it's the most challenging time to get into medical school. And I thought, all right, well, however it happens, it happens because I know my path. So there was always a certainty there that really served me when I saw everyone else like freaking out. Oh my God, what are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about that? And sure enough, um, I applied. It was my second time applying when I got accepted and I got accepted to osteopathic medical school. I hadn't found out about that before. So I hadn't applied the first time. And when I found out about it, it was like bells and whistles went off. This is what I'm going to do. I, I'm a hundred percent sure of it. And uh, I got interviewed at one, one medical school. I accepted at that medical school and thankfully got in and, you know, did incredibly well through medical school. I was in the leadership position. I was tutoring my classmates because I had studied extensive amounts of science in college. Like I said, I was really hypervigilant and uh, opted out of some of the biochemistry courses because I had done a lot of that. And I was a leader. I was in these leadership programs that they would vote me in to be the leader for the, you know, the American Medical Student Association. And so, um, it was an incredible experience. I was super grateful that I was accepted and that I was able to go and able to learn about the body and able to learn about things that fascinated me for so long. But I always knew what I would do with this. Um, fast forward to applying to residency, it was the same thing. I applied to one residency and I got accepted, thank God. And that was a little bit of a side story because I was married at the time and he was at that program. And there was only one year we would overlap. And I thought, well, I have a feeling my marriage will fall apart if we're another year apart. So I'll either, if I don't get in, I'll just wait another year and then we can move wherever I get in. And so, you know, it wasn't like I wanted to take a big flying risk. It was a little more going on in that decision, but 
Um, they, they loved my work. I had amazing recommendations and I went on to do my emergency medicine residency. And the reason I chose that was in that allopathic world, that's really what we're doing. Right. If your arm is off, we, you know, we're expert with this. We're incredible with acute and emergent care, especially in this country. Uh, I'm in us and, um, that is what I believed in. If I was going to learn any of that system, it would be that. It wouldn't be like, let me just keep pushing your diabetes medication for the next 10 years and keep you from dying. But like, what can we do that's really meaningful and purposeful for me? And so there was a lot of excellence in that. It was one of the best programs in the country. And I practiced for a couple of years, full-time ER after that. And that's when I, re I had that feeling of like the dread of staying there and the inspiration of where's my real life. And so I would go out on the veranda. I remember when I'd be on my ER rotation after a couple of years in and okay, God, wh where are we going? I know this was never meant to be the plan. Please show me the path. I'm dying here. I really need to feel alive. I need to find my purpose. And I know this was part of that journey, but where, where's the path? And I'd get really like, maybe I got to rent a space. Maybe I got to do this. Maybe I've got to go knock on doors. And always the message was really clear, like be still and know, be anxious for nothing. It You will be shown. The path is already here. You will be shown. And I feel it so certainly that I'd feel great. I'd feel at peace. I'd keep marching on. And it'd be weeks later, it would come up again, right? And like, come on, show me the way. But I kept being told like, you're in your right timing, be still and know. And sure enough, I um, spoke with a colleague who was in the osteopathic program that I had been in. And she was in this like amazing healing practice, doing incredible things. And she had bought this other uh, doctor's practice. And I said, well, where did he go? And he was a mentor of mine. I deeply respected. She said, oh, he went to start a new medical school in Tennessee. And so I'm in Atlanta thinking, oh, I could probably go up a couple of times a week. I could be a part of that. And when I spoke to him, it was like four and a half hours away. And I thought, oh no, I would have to move. But the the bells and whistles again, it was like, ding, 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 ding. This is what you're doing. So I, I sold my, my home, left my career in the ER and really left everything and moved to the middle of nowhere in Tennessee to be part of starting this osteopathic medical school. And that's really when my journey started to you know, more and more take flight along the lines of more training in the healing arts and more experiences um, assisting people healing because I'd known about it. I'd had incredible experiences during medical school. Um, I participated in some incredible, um, you know, seeing people heal. And so them being in the allopathic system, it's like, well, I already know too much. I'm never going to really succumb to the idea that we're just physical and we're separate and that's all there is. And so then I, I began to sort of get into the my purpose more and more and um, develop from there what I'm now doing in my my medical practice, which is which is profoundly fulfilling. While you were an ER physician, did you ever happen to witness any NDEs during your watch? I um, I wouldn't have necessarily call them NDEs, but I did experience um, many death processes, and I would feel that person and I could feel them thanking me. Um, I could feel their intention. Like some people weren't, um, they were going to die and that was okay. And I always felt a peace around whatever happened, you know, so I would say a prayer afterwards and thank them. And, um, you know, it wasn't easy to be like energy sensitive and be in that environment. Um, but I would use that in a powerful way where I could feel that my my state of being and my mindset would either have my team be in a cohesive system where, you know, if we were running a code to try to save someone's life, um, there could be a cohesion in our interaction that could have everything just go like clockwork without a hitch and handing off the instrument that I needed or the timing for a medication. It was like being in a flow state or vice versa. Um, when that wasn't the case. And it was like this disjointed, you know, uh, chaos of like, uh, are you guys aware I'm in charge? Hello, I don't know what to do here when I was not in my, uh, you know, as grounded in my own body. Um, so that inner connection definitely served me. I think one of the reasons life had me go into the ER for my training, because um, people would say, well, that's like the opposite end of the spectrum. You know, the, the, the healing work versus that tertiary care. 
but the truth, what it really served. Um, and I remember the first time I went from my ER rotation, I saw that that ER attending was actually practicing expanded awareness. He, he wouldn't have said that in a million years, but he knew what was happening in all areas of the ER. He knew uh, what needed to be urgently attended and what you know, we could sort of give it a little time and see what happened. Um, even in, when I trained one of the main things, they would always say they wanted all of the, um, you know, all of our, the residents who would rotate on our service, whether they were psychiatry or family practice or internal medicine, they would rotate in the ER. They'd say the one thing that person needs to leave with is that instinctual awareness if someone's sick or not sick. And what they were describing was that you, you know, into your bones a knowing uh, from the information and from your training, but you begin to trust your knowing that this is, you know, this person's ultimately going to go home. Let's fix up what needs to happen and find the right follow-up versus like, no, I can smell it. There's something off. We're going to have to admit this person. And even if the labs look normal or you didn't find anything, like you would trust that instinct and you would know to kind of keep digging and keep expanding or get a consultation to look because you could let that awareness in and have beyond just the lab work or the x-ray um, develop that awareness. So I saw that the best ER doctors were practicing in expanded awareness, meaning you're letting intelligence in that goes beyond just the book or the page or the, you know, the lab work or what you can see and letting in that deeper awareness. And so I think that was what really served me the most was knowing that even when it was life and death, going into my own stillness and my own connection within is always what served the equation the most between having someone else be able to stabilize within their system to having the team be in a cohesive communication. Um, you would think that, oh, when we're in emergency, we've got to be in that fight or flight and you're like out of your body and you're focusing on the outer but in fact, that is not what I found to be the most potent way to practice as an ER doc. You mentioned that you are energetically sensitive. Do you think that people like you and or who are also em empathic are more likely susceptible to chronic illness? I have seen that the people I've um, assisted because our whole you know sphere of what we're doing in our um, in my practice now is people who are chronically ill, not getting better or chronic fatigue or not clearing, you know, Epstein-Barr or Lyme disease, or I don't even know what's wrong with you. And let me just give you some antidepressants, which, you know, happens so often um, that, or you pain syndromes that a hundred percent of the time there are um, energetic, you know, mental belief systems, memories, uh, traumas, or emotional energies that are at play in the system, blocking the health, blocking the body from healing itself. And when we can bring our awareness to that deeper space, because most people are not, you know, they're disconnected from that. So like, oh, I'm good. Everything's fine. But they're not actually dropping into their own body to even have the awareness of what is really going on. Um, that when we do drop in, it's really, really clear and really evident. And that's how I've learned to diagnose and address what's actually at the core of someone's pain syndrome or someone's MS or someone's thyroid disease or, or you know, Lyme disease, or um, there's so many very severe chronic illnesses um, where we can allow an energetic shift that then allows the body to unwind that pattern and heal themselves. So many people are, you know, picking up on all these energies or everyone else's energies and, and they're just really not aware of it. You said something that was fascinating to me, and that is when the physician doesn't know what to do for the patient, they prescribe antidepressants. Is that kind of the standard of care? At least covertly, you know, it's not necessarily the, um, the overt rule, hey, when all else fails, you know, that's in any book, uh, but it is very, very uh, common, very typical, especially because I think physicians are aware that on some level, the mind and body are connected. 
and oh, you're keeping yourself sick because you're depressed or keeping yourself sick because you're in a, a fear pattern. And I think there is an awareness that the beliefs and the subconscious are affecting the body. And since they're only given one tool in the tool belt, you know, take out the prescription pad and oh, well, let's treat the psychiatric system and here's your anti-anxiety or antidepressant. And so I think when you're really, really limited with what tools you have to offer, you reach for what makes the most sense. And that's usually, that's usually what it is. In researching you, I've discovered that you have had your own health challenges. Can you tell the audience about that? So I'd studied mind-body medicine for many years, having been, you know, so young at the onset of that awakening journey. Um, I went later to see uh, a mind-body medicine doctor, Joan Borisenko, when she was in her younger years of sharing her research. And I was fascinated by what I learned about how all of these diseases we've ever known could have a spontaneous resolution or have a uh, a, a, a resolution and maybe not all at once, but that mind over body, you know, that we actually could have impact there. So I'd learned all about this, um, but it wasn't until I was in medical school and had a strange, you know, mystery illness myself that it came time to put that into play. And I being so uh, empathic, you know, we're studying about pathology all day long, started manifesting symptoms of each of the symptom systems we were studying. So in the cardiovascular system, I developed heart palpitations and they sure enough found a heart murmur and said, oh, there's something wrong with your valve which later resolved, you know, uh, I developed GI symptoms like irritable bowel, inflammatory bowel while we were studying the GI system. Um, and it, you know, wasn't to like a few systems in that I realized like, wait a minute, my body is listening to what I'm paying attention to. And, and as we understand now where your attention goes is where your energy flows. Um, but I didn't really, I was totally like, observer watching this happen. And I didn't really know what to do about it. Um, and so having understood mind body medicine, I tried to heal myself. Well, anybody who's tried that approach, you just like work harder and harder and harder and you keep manifesting more and more illness and more and more symptoms and more and more complexity. And it's like, you keep asking what's wrong with me. You're going to keep getting more and more answers. And so it wasn't until after I got a, you know, a diagnosis from an allergist. I think I must've been like seven specialists into this evaluation over, over a year of time. And he said, well, we know what you have. You have some late onset juvenile rheumatoid inflammatory disorder. And I almost just melted into a puddle. I was so, you know, you're never going to run again and you're not going to be able to complete medical school because you're not, you're going to have to have a controlled living environment and blah, 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 blah. And I don't know, 20 seconds into that meltdown, I thought, wait a minute, this is not true for me. What if that's his perspective, but what if none of that actually applies to me and there's something else possible? And I immediately felt a profound strength and a profound lightness and also had a lot of energy come back. And it was over the course of the next days, literally in days, I saw my body heal itself. And it wasn't that I healed my body within days or it was more that I came into a new relationship with my body and a new relationship with the feelings and sensations that were the symptoms. And I began listening. Hey, body, what do you really have for me? What's actually going on? And letting that in because I trusted my body and I realized my body's on my side. This is not a disease and this is not I'm being punished and I've got to fix it. This was a message and I could just listen. And when I did that, I saw I was really shown you're on a hamster wheel of self-improvement, overcoming, achieving, going, going, getting after it, doing more, doing better. You're running from this fear of failure or this fear of, you know, like I shared before, thinking I'm just some like schleppy kid who's never going to amount to anything. And I, I don't know where that came from, but it was definitely in there embedded that I would just, you know, this judgment of like, I'm a loser. I'll never amount to anything. Uh, I'm a fraud. I never even should have made it through college. All this, like, I guess, imposter syndrome. Um, very, very common for people to say those terms now. But at the time, like, I was the only one I know who ever had those thoughts, who ever had these feelings. 
everyone around me was just perfectly fine. So it was really that moment when I realized, um, oh, this is my body showing me I don't need to be running and and improving and improving constantly on this self-improvement program that my life was meant to be fluid and that I could let go and watch that unfold. And that's why the body healed so very quickly was it was like a quantum leap in consciousness from fear and and chasing to um, peace and surrender. So within uh, just like a week, you know, my labs returned to normal. I didn't have pains anymore. I had my energy back. I didn't have chronic fatigue and um, my body literally resolved that. Have you been able to implement what you did for yourself into creating a treatment for other people? Yeah, that's the fascinating part is when um, I was teaching this, I realized that um, people need a process not just information. Um, I'd had a lot of information and it didn't really get me there. I had to figure this process out on my own. And so um, I began checking in with like, what am I doing when I'm um, shifting, allowing my frequency to shift or um, clearing my energy field or um, connecting to source energy and allowing that to come through to a higher degree? Because really that's what heals the body. We do not heal the body. I'm not going to heal anybody. I'm just assisting you and releasing the the blockages, preventing you from letting more source energy course through your system. And so I um, came up with a a three-step approach called the instant elevation. Instant because you're creating an instantaneous consciousness shift, quantum shift, and elevation because you're coming into a higher frequency and higher potency. And so the first part of that is your awareness. And I recognize that when I would be aware of that back pain and think, Oh no, it's back. Oh my God. I'll never get anywhere. I'm a victim. I'll I'm powerless. Nothing I'm doing makes a difference. Um, I realized like, Oh, wait a minute. I can bring my awareness to my body in a different way. So I started to notice the back pain and soften and let my body know. I love you. I love you. I love you. It's okay to feel this. And I would feel that part of my body. Sometimes it would like spasm and release. Sometimes it would just soften and like literally that pain would move through and I'd just march about my merry way. So I realized that my relationship with my body was really the biggest thing, keeping those patterns in place. So um, that was the most important part of the instant elevation is where am I bringing my awareness? Is it outside me? I got to get better. I got to do this. I got to be what everybody else wants me to be. Or is it um, within me? to let my body soften and let myself be more receptive to that source we are created by. And so um, before anything else happens, that is the piece that needs to shift. And then the second stage is that we shift our breathing. When we're in that clamping down of, I gotta heal myself or I've gotta manage my reality, we bring our breath into the upper lung fields, we're activating the sympathetic nervous system and really clamping the brain back into survival mode. So we don't have awareness of solutions or we don't have higher thinking um, happening. And so when we shift our breathing to more belly breathing, you soften your shoulders, you let your breath just come in a fuller, deeper breath you begin to activate the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the relaxation response. And this is what I'd studied all those years with Herbert Benson, who was at one of the Harvard doctors and talked about how the body heals itself. It was through this aspect of the nervous system. And so then when we shift our breath, we can activate that immediately. And then the third part is our conscious choice. You know, I had been intending, I'm healthy, I'm healthy, I'm strong, and like actually suppressing the symptoms So we can't do C first. You've got to bring your power back into your body and shift your consciousness. You shift your breathing, which shifts your physiology. And then when you make conscious choice, you have power and potency. And I remember exactly how I did that. You know, I would ground it into my body. I am powerfully healthy and strong. I am powerfully healthy and strong. And that affirmation came from a serenity and a knowing and a presence where it had previously come from like a, a schizophrenic freak out of fear. And that's why um, that command, I guess, right, had so much power in my subconscious system so that the old pattern could release and I regained health. Are you actively seeing people for conditions anymore or are you more 
teaching others or what? I have groups. Um, I work with people online in groups. And one of the main ways is through the um, Embracing Health program, which is a year-long journey. So there are online courses I've created to bring people the tools and they walk themselves through this work. And um, and that's been really, really powerful. In fact, the reason I wrote the Mind-Body Toolkit, which was my book, I'll show you this, uh, was, was because when I was dealing with this, I was like, I need a how-to. Like, I get all the stuff I've learned for a decade, but what do I do with this? And so this was some of the science and the understanding of the body-mind connection, but it's 10 tools you can use anytime, anywhere to immediately and instantly begin to create that shift in your system. So we have that and we have online courses, um, but the Embracing Health course is where I work with people over the course of a year to deeply integrate this and create really a baseline shift in who you think you are. Because when you think you're a physical, solid, separate thing, of course, you're going to be in fear. I've got to cure my cancer. What can I do? And searching outside of yourself for the answers. But when you make that baseline foundational shift of really connecting with source and connecting with the I am that is observing this body and observing this illness and isn't actually sick, um, we can enter that peace and we can let that peace course through our body. And that's really what heals the body. So that's the way I've um, developed my work to work with more people and bring them this particular um, experiences through that embracing health course. And then there's a, another course after that called the be the medicine, which is more like now that you have brought your potency back and allowed your body to heal or the emergencies in your life to um, sort out or, or come into a new alignment and a new life. What is your purpose? And so who are you here to be? And it's either, you know, you're sharing this with others or just living in a lifestyle where you get to be this, you get to be your authentic self, which feeds the body even more. Um, you get to live and be in connection, stay in connection with source, as opposed to, you know, what I had to do was like go to the ER every day. And it was like, I'm drinking caffeine just to keep myself going because I was in disconnection and it was impossible to stay in full connection and keep doing that, right? I, I had to leave. And so what do we do? How do we leave? How do we find that doorway through which a new life or a new career gets created? And I stay in honoring my authentic self and um, live this truth. So, so those are really the ways I've created to work with people live is, is in those groups. In your experience, what is the best, best method for people to connect with source? Well, there really are only two things that we have charge over and it's what we do with our body and where we put our attention. And I found the best way to connect with source is to let my body come into some stillness. So, you know, if my shoulders are relaxed and that's why the yogis did like all the asanas and poses. So the thing, then they could sit in stillness. You got to like kind of work out some of the kinks. So what do I do with my body? Okay. My spine is straight. I'm in a position where my shoulders are relaxed. So I'm alert enough to focus my attention, but uh, I'm not straining. And then the second part is I bring my intention to connect with the highest truth of divinity or source or whatever you would like to call it doesn't matter. It isn't the, you know, like there's a lot of people sharing information, but the only value that information will have is to the degree that they connected with that highest space of source. And so it can assist you in your own connection to that source intelligence. But most of the stuff doesn't necessarily serve a purpose beyond that because you have a direct connection to that wisdom. And so I found that, you know, bringing my body into that comfort or even if I'm walking, right? Just as long as your body's in a flow and then bringing my attention to that intention to connect with the highest level of consciousness or God or spirit or source and to let that in. Because I really can't do anything right, you know, like in the I am the small self, but I can set the intention to connect with the I am the true self. 
And when I do that, that's really when I see the miracles happen, like amazing synchronicities show up in my life. I found my, my life partner after deeply intending very specifically for this kind of person. I saw him in visions I and med- meditations. I knew him before I met him. And so um, living your life intentionally from that intention of, of that higher connection really allows incredible things to happen. Can you share one of the tools from the mind body toolkit that people can implement in their lives right yeah. now? Um, I'm going to share one of my favorite I use like all day, but it, the instant elevation is one of them. That's kind of my foundation. Uh, but this one is number five, ask better questions. So your mind can't not answer the question. When I was asking what's wrong with me, what's wrong with me? My whole system was bringing me that answer. Oh, you have inflammation. Oh, you have your inflammatory bowel. Oh, you have chronic fatigue. Oh, now you've got allergies. So, but was that actually the answer like where is the frequency of that solution it was really low frequency you got to tighten up and you got to control you got to control your diet and so it wasn't an actual solution in my awareness or a healing and so where does the actual solution come in i've got to ask a question from a higher space what's right about this i'm not getting show me what's right about what am i here to receive what's the gift here because until i become receptive I'm in resistance. What you resist persists. You're going to keep resisting the illness and resisting the pain. And then what gets created, what you focus on expands, the illness or the pain or the conundrum and the, you know, the challenges in your life. And so when I start asking what's right about this, I'm not getting, or what else is possible here? What else is possible here? Whenever I'm in a situation that seems like no one's going to be happy. You know, this is happening and you're like in a dead end. You just ask, what else is possible here? You immediately start functioning in the higher mind, a part of you that does know. And you don't even have to know how that will come in. You just have to ask. Because when you ask, you are playing at that higher consciousness. You are interacting with that higher consciousness. And that's when you're receptive to that level of solution insight and awareness. So whenever things seem like a catch 22 or I'm at a dead end or you you can't win no matter what you do kind of thing, just kind of get curious. I wonder what else is possible here. Curiosity shifts your brain state and shifts your physiology. And that's a really potent way to play with this. I think that's really cool. And that's something I want to implement in my own life is what else is possible here? Well, I wonder what else is possible with your show because it's really um, contributed to my life. I've Mm -hmm. really felt a sense of love from you and from all the people who've shared. And um, and that's why I I have subscribed and tuned in is um, I think you're doing a great job also being really open. You're not operating from conclusion about, oh, this is the real reality. Oh no, this is the real reality. When people have this kind of experience, we, we we actually become aware there is no one reality. It's an infinite reality. And I think you've done a great job inviting people to receive that. Thank you for that. Um, have you thought yourself about or ever kind of worked on your own definition of what consciousness is? And if so, what have you come up with? I've been asked this before, and it's usually by someone who sort of wants to pin it down so that they can get it and they can have an understanding and then like they can really get somewhere. And what I realized is um, the part of us that wants to define things isn't really the true self anyway. And so what I've understood and felt and experienced is um, that observer, the I am that is beyond definition um, is here observing all of it. And when I connect with that part of my um consciousness, my, my being, um, that's when a higher frequency comes in a higher frequency experience, um, feeling and sensation and feeling lighter. Um, so I've come to understand that consciousness is our way of dialing into the higher frequency, um, truth, the higher frequency, um, energy, the higher frequency solution. And it's just like, you know, if you change your dial on the radio, you get like metallic, you know, rock, or you get like peaceful symphony orchestra. 
it's the same thing with how we use our consciousness. And so I can dial into a higher space of peace or I can go into fear and fear consciousness and dial into like all the major problems that I can't escape. And either way, your consciousness will create that. It will create that to be your experience and to continue. So I see consciousness that way. It's our way of interfacing with this um, matrix. When you were in medical school and you started working on human cadavers, was there any point at that time that it became certain to you that, wow, this is just a body and really what animates us, our energy is something else and it's just not here and all we have is just a body here? Yes, especially because I did um, a fellowship training in osteopathic medicine as well. And so I had the two going on at the same time where I had my hands on a body that was a living body and you feel this whole other dimensionality into what's happening in the body. And, you know, when you put your hands on the cadaver, it was like putting your hands on the table. And so if you're not tuning into energy, those may feel similar. Um, but to someone who's aware of the dynamics and um, uh, the presence of what's going on in the flow of health through the, the living body, um, you recognize a, a very, very discreet difference. Um, but it but it also was um apparent that the being who had inhabited that body wasn't gone. Not that they were still in the body or in the room, but that I could connect with that individual and thank her and feel like this amazing sense of love and gratitude because that person wanted to contribute to my education. And when I became receptive to thank that being, I was filled with the presence of that person's um, love and contribution. Like they were grateful to be giving it to me. So um, that, that was so clear so early on though, that, um, you know, we don't end when the body ends and it's, it's funny once you realize that and, you know, I've had so many people who've crossed over and they've died come and communicate with me. Like if I'd have someone on the table, this woman had arthritis and her, her mother who died came in the room and was communicating with me. And this is the first time I saw this patient. So I was like, where am I going with this? But through the treatment session, it was like apparent, like there's really only, only one way you're going to do this, Kim. You've got to come forth with what you're aware of. So I shared all this information that her mother was sharing and she cried. And she said, my mom had this same disease. And I think that I'm trying to hold on to her through being how she was, or I want to connect with her. And I think that's why this disease is manifesting for me. And um, that it was a very strange experience for that person because she hadn't connected with her dead mother in this way. And it was, you know, it takes courage to share what you know and let it come through because you're like, am I going to be rejected for this? Is someone going to think things about me? And you know, but when you listen, there's no question. You're going to follow what guidance, the intelligence is is showing you. So, you know, that's happened so many times. I have had so many stories. Like my my best friend from college, his dad died. And um, he was, it was like, he was knocking on my door incessantly. And I was like, there's no way I'm calling Barb, my friend's mom, who I haven't talked to in years and communicating with her about this. And what was shown um, was, well, here's uh, here's a way you can. And so there was a book I was reading, uh, James, oh, is it Pratt? He's a pretty famous guy. And he's like a communicator with um, people who've died. And I was given that book. And he, this person that died, the father was like, show her the book. And I was like, all right, well, that I can do. So I said, hey, I've been reading this book. It's really inspiring. There's a lot of people who've passed on, but that he's able to communicate with these people and the messages are pretty incredible. And she wrote back immediately. was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. I know I'm so open to that. I'm really interested in that. And that's when I knew like, okay, I can share the rest of the message. So I told her everything he was sharing and all he really wanted to say, but he he was so adamant, like the, the enthusiasm was, um, 
go and live your life. Like you have these grandchildren. I'm here. I'm good. We're going to actually be together really soon. Like I really, really want you to get this chapter and like the abundance that's in it for you and have an amazing chapter because you've got your health and you've got these kids and like have at it. And she cried. I mean, she just, and she knew it was the truth, but the crazy thing was as resistant as I was to sharing this on the front end, my, um, my college roommate called and was like, oh my God, he does this all the time. He hijacked my cousin's entire session with some like medium. She went to talk about like her life and, and Joe had like hijacked her whole session. And she told Stacy, like, you're going to pay, you're going to pay for my next session because your dad hijacked the whole thing. Cause he just had to tell your mom this message. So I was like, all right, it really validates what you're perceiving. And, you know, since medical school, I've been operating this way and you just get more validated and more validated and people are healing, people are resolving illness. People are telling you like, oh my God, how did you know that? Yes, it is, you know, way beyond um, my question or doubt at this point. So now it's, it's so fulfilling to let a lot of um, awareness come in and always I connect with that highest space because otherwise you're just playing around with a lot of stuff that isn't necessarily the real truth. Um, and just really it's fulfilling to see people come back to their wholeness through what I'm able to share. So when, what a gift from something that was like a nightmare. I, I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. Um, but then to integrate it and see like, this was the greatest gift. This was the greatest thing that ever could have happened. And, and I no longer carry that guilt or wrongness about my choice back then. And 16 being so curious and so, um, you know, exploring, um, I now know it was divinely intended and I'm grateful. A couple of my recent near-death experiencers have given the message that we need more self-love and that so many people are not, you know, engaging in that. What is your opinion on that? Yeah, a hundred percent. That's the whole message. You know, there's subtle nuances of specifics. And for me, there was a lot about medicine and the body and the medical field and the true um, awareness of what disease really is. Um, but really you, if you distill it all down, that's the only message is that, um, the only truth is love. And that when we are willing to connect with love for ourselves or for a person, um, now I've studied this as a scientist, you know, it shifts our electromagnetics, it shifts our physiology, it shifts our brain functioning. Great. We can see definitively how that actually moves us into self-healing. But you don't really need to understand any of that to have the experience because when you embrace love, whether it's forgiving someone that you maybe are resentful of or forgiving yourself or forgiving your past, you'll feel it. You feel that warmth. You feel the opening. You feel the shift and you, you become a different person. All right, Kim, I'm going to switch gears with you due to time. Your book is called The Mind Body Toolkit. Do people get it on Amazon or your website? They can get it on Amazon. They can go to my website too. It's at drkimd.com forward slash book. Um, and there's a little mini course we have with it. If people buy the ebook version and want the videos that go with it, that's really useful as well. Um, and we're coming out with a new one later on this year, another book. So I'm in the process of that one. And um, yeah, it's been a great way for people to, interact with this work because as you read it it's working on you you're 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 entering a higher consciousness through that work all right you have the book you have the courses what else do you got going on that you want us to know about my most exciting things are um expanding just more and more people are ready for this message which is such a miracle from where I was at 16, where it was like I can't say this how what am I gonna do um now it's very commonplace that people begin to know, yeah, you know what? You're right. It's true. I have felt that myself. And so the Be the Medicine course um, is one of my favorite places to work with people who are ready to really step into that higher consciousness and being who I'm really here to be. Like I had that at a young age that I was like, oh my God, forget plan A. I, that doesn't even exist for anymore. I'm living for this true self and whatever is my guidance showing me of who am I really, who am I here to be? What's my choice? And so following guidance in each moment versus the, the, the thoughts or the mind 
And the Be the Medicine course is how do we live from that space? How do we create from that space? And um, it's a whole new thing than what you're taught out in the world about how to create and, you know, go out and get it and make it happen. And there's like a, a toughening and actually a disconnection. And that's why so many people are struggling to find their next step. Like, wow, I really don't want to do this anymore, but what else could I do? You've got to allow a shift in consciousness first. So that's one of my, my greatest joys is, is bringing people through that process. If people want to ask you questions, should they do it through your website or leave comments on your YouTube channel? They can, um, they can email support at drkimd.com. And we have an amazing team. My team are all really um, in the heart and very dedicated and devoted to what this work really is about. Um, and so there are uh, coaches who are in our community, which is the mind body community in Facebook. It's called the mind body community and that's free for anyone. And they're in there answering questions. If there are specifics about like, here's my situation and what are my next steps? How do I open more fully? Um, the coaches are in that, in that community. Um, and at support at drkimd.com, if you have questions about anything else, like the, the programs or, um, you know, what's your, what's your next step, especially if you're not in the Facebook space, which is, which is fine, that that'd be a great way to connect with our team and receive assistance as well. Well, what is the name of your YouTube channel and what content are you posting there? It is called Dr. Kim DeRamo. And each week I do a broadcast called Mind Body TV, where I'll share mind body tools for um, opening your health and accelerating your consciousness. This week, actually, we shared something that was for kids. Uh, we used EFT tapping, uh, but in a more... I use it in a different way than I've seen a lot of people use it. Um, we had a young kid who um, is actually my social media assistant's child, who's super empathic, beautiful, big heart, but had learned to like toughen up. And she has developed this really severe pain syndrome where she had um, excruciating, severe, unrelenting pain for like the last two months. And I tuned into her system and knew what was going on. And Jess, who's her mom, is super you know, fluid with this work, had awareness of what was going on, but she said, Kim, there's no opening there. And so we kind of just let her take this time. She'd been back and forth to the hospital, admitted several times, the ambulance coming to the house because she couldn't get off the floor. Um, and, you know, seen like six or seven pediatric pain specialists, orthopedic specialists, um, got diagnosed with reflex sympathetic dystrophy, which sometimes people have it for years and years and years. And we just did a session with her last week and we used this particular modality and it was only, I don't know, maybe half an hour of this session and her whole system opened up. She had awarenesses that went way beyond what most 10 year olds have ever had and uh, let her body know it could let this pattern go. And that night, Jess messaged me and said, she got up the stairs, she slept in her own bed, she took a bath, and then, the, which is the first time in two months. And the next morning she was telling her, I want to go back to school. I want to do my sports. I'm excited about this. Like the first time and, you know, even talking about that. And so we did share that on the broadcast this week because I want people to know what's possible. And we shared the EFT tapping, which is a really simple tool anyone can use, adults and kids. And I walked them through, you know, people will communicate and share what's coming up and we'll go through that process in the mind body broadcast. So that's every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Mountain time live in the mind body community and Facebook or on my YouTube channel, which is drkimd.com. And we share lots of other videos in there as well, but it's along the same lines of, you know, shifting your consciousness, the journey of awakening, how do we navigate that and um, finding, you know, connection and finding like-minded others who are on that same journey. Before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? I will leave you with, similar to what you said before about love, when you let love be your intention, all the manifestations for healing and literally anything, money and companionship um, come into your life effortlessly. 
And it's just, most people don't really realize that love is, is just being compassionate with yourself. It's being willing to let yourself feel as shitty as you feel and not give yourself a hard time in this 10 seconds that it's wrong. Um, it's being in a relationship with life where you could be receptive to the experience you are having instead of trying to make it better or be somewhere else or get to another experience because that's rejection. And so love isn't a thing where people don't apply this idea is because they think it's like, oh, I just love my disease and the fact that I have fibromyalgia or MS or cancer. That is not what's ever going to be asked of us. And that would just be like putting ice cream on top of poop, right? It's like a fake. But to actually um, find compassion for how hard your journey has been and give yourself that love and give yourself that um, kind of the credit of like you've taken every breath in how dense it may have been, and especially if you're energy sensitive, um, just acknowledging yourself is that love. And that can be as simple as that. And that can literally open up the whole syndrome to release and um, shift your entire being so quickly. Dr. Duramo, thank you for that message. And thank you for being my guest. Thank you. I love you. I love our community here. I'm so grateful. So grateful. Thank you, Jeff, for what you're doing. I'm so grateful to be able to share. Thank you. Thanks. And love you too. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.